0: Life Audio. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we're passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul deep, emotional, and spiritual freedom. And we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We'd love to connect with you online. And you can visit our show notes to learn about our events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or to simply connect with us. I'm Carol McCracken. And today we've got Dan Ammer, Executive Director of Worthwhile Wear joining us. I'm really excited for you to hear about the work that he and his group are doing. Dan, your ministry exists to reach and restore women affected by human trafficking because you believe that everyone is worthwhile. And today your ministry, your business, Worthwhile Wear, has grown to offer the most comprehensive services to survivors of trafficking in the state of Pennsylvania. You're supported by your wife. And your two children. Welcome, Dan.
1: Hi. Thank you, Carol. I appreciate that kind introduction.
0: (laughs) You're most welcome. Okay. This is great. I can't wait for the listeners to hear this. All right. So you're going about doing your business. And you mentioned in an interview that I listened to that in 2010, you went to your church. And you heard a presentation from a Cambodian couple, and it was about survivors of human trafficking, and you knew you had to do something. Can you talk a little bit about this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those, I'd I like to refer to it as kind of like a life interrupted, because I think we humans can be a bit silly in the sense that we think we can plan it all out. And so I was really pursuing that American dream of having that that career job, one that afforded us a lot of nice things, you know, a home in Florida, a home in Pennsylvania. My wife, we wanted her to stay home and raise the kids so she could do that. And I was not looking for getting involved in ministry necessarily or or work. I, I had the mindset of like, be used wherever God would need me. Mm-hmm. But when I learned about human trafficking, it, it struck such a chord that I was left with that kind of that decision. And I feel like oftentimes when I speak and share with individuals, you're You're left with, you know, either I do something or I pretend I never heard in the first place. And so when I learned that trafficking was happening, it really made me feel that I needed to respond. It actually kind of took me back to when I was in 10th grade. The history teacher had asked the class, class, would you have done something when slavery was here in America? Would you have done something to intervene? And I raised my hand as a 10th grader. And here, fast forward all the way to 2010, I felt like if I was to say yes, then, what do I do now? And so that ultimately meant leaving everything, leaving the job, the career, to step out in faith really and and start this this ministry of worthwhile
0: wear. Oh, wow. Okay. So tell me, did this trigger anything? Like, did you have any anxiety, any questions, any fears? I mean, what'd you go through?
1: I almost feel like you're, you're toying with me, Carol. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if we think about it, it was a horrible career move from the world's perspective. You know, I went from a job that paid well, right. To a job that paid nothing. And, and as a, and as a husband and as a father, it was met with a lot of fear. You know, it was one of those where I needed to really contemplate. And And so what I often share, I'm happy to provide Consultation, other organizations or individuals that are considering starting a nonprofit, and where I say is like first seek counsel. And so for me to help, kind of in a sense alleviate that fear, but make sure I was not doing a foolish thing, mm-hmm. was to really ask a lot of individuals that I knew were godly individuals and say, "This is what I believe the Lord's laying on my heart." And then, yes, stepping in faith and stepping in faith oftentimes means not knowing where your foot's going to land next. Ooh, um, that. And so that that is a fearful thing. You know, that's a scary thing to do, but that's often what we're called to do. God says to step, you know, he calls us to move. So it was a challenging time for quite a few years. You know, now we're an organization that's 12 years old, but the first probably five, six years was a lot of challenges along the way.
0: Wow. I was researching and I listened to one of your interviews and you said that it is this trafficking thing. This is an issue in which criminals exploit a commodity and they sell the product many times over. And why is this $150 billion industry something that needs more awareness?
1: Yeah, it's 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 one of those where you hear this and you're like, how can this be possible? Right. How can something of this scale be happening where where we live and in other areas? And and the reality is the human condition is that of being satisfied, and trying to be distracted from the reality of our world. And so that means pursuing pleasure. And so we pursue pleasure in a variety of ways. And so Criminals knowing that can oftentimes offer drugs or you know trafficking of weapons and things like that. But the problem is in those cases, you, you have to restock your product, right? You either have to make more or buy more or steal more. And it's a lot more risky in, in a sense where if you instead could have a product that you simply manipulate and
0: mm-hmm. exploit
1: or, or take, and then not something that you have to restock once you sell mm-hmm. it once, you can reuse it and sell it over and over again. Well, then that's a much better commodity or product to sell. And so that's why we've seen this this industry take off and grow over the years, where today there's more people human trafficked or enslaved than in any time in, in human history. And it's because of the advent of the internet, because people that are looking for a product can find it through their computer screen. And then there's a criminal on the other side saying, hey, I can get a product that I don't have to restock, I can reuse. And, and that's why we're seeing it grow so rampantly. And and there is a lot more awareness that's happening, but there's so much more that needs to be done. And and part of what we do as a ministry is we love to engage the community, but I'll get to that later because we want people though, to know that they can get involved. There is hope and restoration for those that have been trafficked.
0: I love that. Okay. But you talked about the American dream. Okay. Your comfortable career. You had two homes. I think you said one in Florida, one in Pennsylvania, and you mentioned a bad career choice And what did you think going from that comfort to being with the people that you're describing that obviously are not comfortable? How do you how do you switch between those worlds?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of moments where you're faced with challenges and you're you're faced with fear. You know when when we first started, we started in India because um as I understood it as I was learning about trafficking in the very beginning, I was understanding it as an over there issue in another country, but then you know later understood it was here, and so we provided solutions here but so I started in India and when when I was there, the first kind of pang of fear that I had was when I was visiting the women in in the brothel areas okay. and i and I was going along with uh, two pastors, and I also had a companion that had come from the U.S. with me, his name was Frank. And he joined me as a support and to just to be there as well. And we went into some of these brothel areas and, and I can tell you the sense of darkness was, was palpable. You could sense mm-hmm. that there was evil existing there. Mm-hmm. And we met with these women, we prayed with them. And at one point I remember asking about, there's several beds that were much higher off the ground than I was accustomed to seeing. And, and I asked in an unknowing way, just kind of out of curiosity. I said, why are these beds raised up so high? And they said, "Well, that's where our kids—they sleep under the beds. The, our children, while we're being sold and, and working on top of the beds. So, mm-hmm. meaning that the the women are being sold and exploited as if they're a product to someone using them, and their child is sleeping underneath them. Wow. And and that was the first moment of fear. And then I remember that same night we went back, and I just quit my job, and I I went back and and I sat down in our hotel room, and I and I I started crying. I, and I said to Frank, I said, Frank, I, I made a mistake. Like I quit a career job and I came here and I, and in seeing that, you know, seeing what I saw that night it was the first time for me to see something to that level. And I, and I saw evil, right? I saw evil in its worst form. And, and I said, I, I can't do this. And I broke down and I was overcome with fear. I mean, I'll be completely honest. And what Frank said to me next, if I'm being completely honest as a human, I wanted to punch him, right? <laughs> I wanted, to, I wanted to punch him because he said to me what seems so like so cliche, such like a church thing to say. Yeah, is that, let's pray about it. <laughs> right. so he says, "Let's pray about it." I wanted I wanted to punch him in the face, but instead I said, <laughs> "Okay, let's let's pray about it." So we prayed about it, and I and I went to bed that night, and I woke up the next morning, and I can honestly say I had a peace that passes all understanding. What it was was a realization. I woke up with this new understanding. And I think it's what oftentimes we need to realize when we're faced with fear is that's not always a bad thing because what it is is it's setting you on the correct course and putting you on the correct plane of understanding that I I said exactly what I needed to say and was actually true is I said Frank I can't do this. Mm. And and what I realized in that moment and after we prayed in that night of sleep, I woke up the next morning and said, no, again, I can't do this, but with God, I can. And I really understood that that's what God needed me to get to that place in order to properly use me. So fear led me to that understanding and actually was a tool necessary to help me understand my insufficiencies and understand that, no, I can't. But with God, anything is possible. And that's at that moment when essentially I said, I went into it thinking this is God, but at that moment, I knew it was God's and gave it fully over to him and was able to take that fear and, and be utilized to, to serve God in a much greater way and a much greater capacity.
0: I love how you frame that. Fear can be necessary. It's necessary in our journey. And if we're afraid of fear, we might lose something because look what, what it brought you to. Was it a quick thing? When you had that piece, I mean, did things change? Was it just a feeling or did the whole experience change for you?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it was that that next morning, I really had a new perspective. I think fear is uh, maybe in a way we can think of it as a, a lens through which we see the world. And it often fear can distort your view of the world. And I feel like we, when we live in, under our own power and our own maybe prideful ways, sure. we... We try to push through that fear, but that's distorting our, our view of the world. And and the Lord, you know, gives us a, a lens of clarity. And so for me, it did change from that morning on. I really felt like I gave it over and and had that right perspective of this is only possible with God, not with myself.
0: Mm, I love that. Um you there was something I saw in another interview of yours you can tell I like your ministry because I explored just about everything you did hopefully you'll have a surprise for me somewhere along the way but I read something where you said you actually had God use and you didn't personally but God actually used an atheist for the start of your ministry can you yeah. talk a little bit about that
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's it, it, going kind of back to the, the beginning days of like trying to figure out what to do. That first step of fear is like realizing that I needed to step away from my job. Ooh. And when I came to that realization, I you know met with a, a friend who was also a brother in Christ and said, "I feel like this is where I need to go." And I said, "I think because I've been part of this organization, this company, I work for an engineering firm."
0: Okay.
1: Said I think I I need to step away, and I'll give them like a six month window. And, um, it's kind of like the game plan I came up with. And, and two days later I went into work and, and talked to them and we were sitting down, we were just going over the overall, like what I was getting paid. Cause I was salaried plus commission. I got paid a lot of commission as well. And they said, you know, we, we, um, we want to actually just move you fully to salary. Cause the only person that, that is this way paid this way in the U S and so we talked about that for a while. And then they kind of said, well, we know there's a big shift in how we're doing things, but if you're you know, we don't want you just to leave. If you would consider maybe maybe give us like six months if you're going to think about that. And I just sat back and, and kind of like smiled and And they asked, why are you smiling? And I said, well, I was just literally having this conversation of how I could bring up this topic to you of what I feel led to do. And that I need to step away to pursue this ministry. And I started to outlay that to them and share what I felt the Lord was laying on my heart. And the owner of the company is, was a known, known atheist. It was something she made very clear. And uh, after I explained where I was going, I wasn't leaving to pursue another career job. I was stepping away from this job to no pay. And she said, you know, Dan, I you know, I don't believe in God. But when you hear a story like this, I have to kind of maybe believe it and, and question that. And then after six months, you know, the five months I was there working, the last month, my boss called me in and it was some other staff. And he said, um, you know, started kind of divvying up my responsibilities. And I thought, well, hey, I got a month left here. And I thought, am I getting the boot a little early? And they go, no, no, no. We actually want you this last month, just stay on, use your office, use your computer, your phone, and help get, use all that to help get Worthwhile where started. And I always wow. think it's lost on me that God can use even an atheist and and to, to use them for his work. And so that's essentially the very start of Worthwhile Wear, is while I was employed, being paid by, on the payroll. of a- <laughs> Declared atheist who knew what I was trying to do, so I love how God created him that
0: way. I love it. He is indeed. He's got a sense of humor, I think. You speak of faith a lot, and I think that you had faith as an example for you while you were growing up. You were the youngest of four kids. You were on a lot of land. I think it was something like eighteen acres, and your parents sold all of that to move to the Ukraine, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was 12 at the time, okay. but I'm share, people say, wow, Dan, that was so brave of you, what you did. And I said, hold on, let me just tell you what I did is only because of what my parents did. Huh. Uh, when we think about, you know, for those that are listening, that have kids and grandkids know that they're watching, know that what they're doing, that what you're doing, they're seeing and, and, and can have an impact on them. So yeah, we were, you know, my father worked for Prudential Financial, had some startup companies. My mother was a nurse in the ICU. Yeah, we had in-ground pool, 18 acres. We had ponds we'd go fishing in. We had dirt bikes, zip lines. Like we had like a kid's camp. It was great. We loved it. And um, I remember the day they called us all in, all four kids. Again, I was the youngest of four. And we sat down and they told us there's a country that's now free from under communism. I didn't really understand what communism was, but they said, we want to go there and serve and we're going to go and move. To this country, and for me, you asked, "Was I scared?" No, because I know every year we went to Cancun, Mexico, for vacation. So <laughs> I equated going on a plane to the white sandy beaches. So I'm like, "Let's go to the white sandy beaches of Ukraine." I was a little mistaken by that, but my parents set a great example in that regard, and that ministry continues to this day. It's 30 years old now. Talking with my mother uh, a little bit ago, probably about two hours ago, just talking about all that's going on with the churches that were started and how they're still continuing today. And so my parents also had to step through fear, step away from what they knew to something unknown. And and again, I think that's when we um, get to see God really shine because he promises us time and time again, I've got you. And how often do we let him actually exercise that? And so seeing my parents go through that and seeing what happens when we do only led me and encouraged me. So I encourage parents and grandparents that are listening Live in faith, step in faith, because others are watching, including your kids and your grandkids.
0: Do you think there was any anxiety there? I mean, sometimes that's a residual effect and we can live in our heads so much about what's going on around us. And I don't want to over-spiritualize it, that you just all of a sudden had this golden cloak of peace around you and everything was perfect, because I know it wasn't, it couldn't have been. But was there... Anxiety and fear are very, very related. Did you ever live in moments of anxiety?
1: There, uh, Yeah. I mean, the the reality is when you are taking away, you're essentially, when you're stepping in faith, when you're following, you're giving over your agency to make decisions in some regard. You're, you're giving over your your authority in a regard that, that you are the breadwinner, right? You are the one that's making all the calls. And, and when you're saying, I'm going to trust you don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. All all the, the stepping stones are not laid out in front of you. Okay, if I step in faith, that means in, in two years, I'm going to have my house sold, but I'll get a new house. And then three years, I'll have another car. And in four years, all that's off the table. Ugh. So is there anxiety? Absolutely. Living in anxiety is always looking at what could go wrong. And it's but it's the reality of being human. But living in peace in the father's hands is, is looking at what he can do and make right, because he is the creator, the author, the finisher. And mm-hmm. so if you are saying, I'm going to be in the hands of a potter, a master carpenter, one that can create a universe, and he's proven himself time and time again, it removes you then from that anxiety. Yes, the anxiety in our, in our, in our temporary finite way. We are, we are unsure what will happen in our 80, 90 years on this earth, 60 years on this earth. But when we say, "Okay, I'm going to trust it to someone who has a proven track record, that anxiety can be alleviated. And that's where I try to find myself. It doesn't mean anxiety doesn't happen. It doesn't mean fear doesn't happen. And and what I also caution people on is, is that I believe that Satan does not want God's work to happen. Right. I think we all could agree on that. Right. But I do believe that he, he can't stop it at all. He wishes he could, but he can't. But what he can do is he can plant a seed of fear. And what I think we often do is we water and feed that seed of fear. We water it and feed it with our anxiety, with our unknowns, with our doubt, with our concern. It becomes this grown, massive thing that we no longer can see God through. And God's calling us to step through that fear. Don't, cool. Don't water it. Because that's what Satan's, that's his tool. That's his one way to stop God's work is to plant a seed of fear. And we foolishly water it. Mm. And God said, no, hand it over to me. I'm the master creator. I can handle it. But it causes us to have to trust and step in faith. That's beautiful.
0: Did you, any?
1: I believe that Satan does not want God's work to happen, right? I think we all could agree on that. Right. But I do believe that he he can't stop it at all. He wishes he could, but he can't, but what he can do is he can plant a seed of fear, and what I think we often do is we water and feed that seed of fear, we water it and feed it with our anxiety, with our unknowns, with our doubt, with our concern. it becomes this grown massive thing that we no longer can see God through, and God's calling us to step through that fear That's don't feed cool. it. don't water it. Because that's what Satan's, that's his tool. That's his one way to stop God's work is to plant a seed of fear. And we foolishly water it. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, no, hand it over to me. I'm the master creator. I can handle it. But it causes us to have to trust and step in faith.
0: Along this making of a new ministry, if you will, did you make any mistakes along the way that caused you anxiety? And if so, what did you do with that?
1: Yeah, Carol, well, it's nice to meet you. I'm a human. So... (laughs) What kind of question is that? I've, I've absolutely made mistakes. I have made mistakes where I was trying to figure out how do I do programming that will, that will work for our women. And, and so working with them and, and getting feedback was, was great. But then there's been times where I've misstepped, where I hired someone that, that was a bad fit and then we had to let them go. The other side of it is not having funds. I mean, there were times like, we were, st- we were five years into this ministry
0: mm-hmm. and I remember I
1: took my son to camp. And I was at camp, and he, I'm like, hey, just you know, go listen to whatever the the preacher has to say. I got to go make a phone call. I had to go call the bank to take a draw on a line of credit to just pay bills. Wow. And I remember, and it was, it was, it was every pay period I had to call and draw on a line of credit and draw Mm -hmm. on a line of credit, and I kept praying. And so what I was challenged in is, I'm very grateful to have a brother. I've my three older siblings. My my brother just above me, Dave. Is also my best friend. And I remember he challenged me one time because I, I presented him with one of those moments of fear. I was considering starting a new ministry within worthwhile where to go and reach women in our communities. And this ministry is thriving today. It's called Worth It. And it reaches women all over the greater Philadelphia area, all over uh, Pennsylvania, actually, working with women that have experienced sexual exploitation and trafficking. Now, when I was considering this, I was I was fearful because I was drawing down on a line of credit, trying to stay afloat. Right. And I said, Dave, this is I laid it all out. I think this is necessary. I feel like the Lord's leading me to do this, but I don't have the money to do this. And I was scared. Mm-hmm. And he said to me this: He said, Dan, there's two types of farmers and they they both need rain desperately. He said, There's one farmer that'll go inside, they'll fall on their knees and pray for rain. And he said, But the second farmer is going to pick up their bag of seed and walk out to the field, and while they're planting seeds, pray for rain. And he challenged me said be that second farmer. And that was for me that helped me to learn to step in faith yet again because I didn't have the means to make it happen but I had to have faith and walk and pray. Mm. And so that was one of the many moments, you know, that we've we've been faced with personally as well as as a father as a husband. I remember as we had moved in faith I, I we sold all of our assets. We used all of our savings. Do you know what that's like? That is the most anxiety building thing. But, but what happens <laughs> is you you practice faith, and and what I can tell you, Carol, is, is God is faithful, right? So He shows up time and time again. But it it relies on us in trusting first, and and mm-hmm. making that step first, and so by doing that, we get to see Him show up time and time again, and you you start to grow that faith muscle, and that helps alleviate the fear side of it.
0: That's great advice. I was going to just ask you if you would give the listeners something concrete to hold on to when they're battling fear. And I think you answered it before I asked the question. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you for that briefly before we go, you've given us a lot to chew on. Tell us a little bit more about your ministry so that we know how to contact and to deal with it. You you have what I understand to be in the city of or the the state of Pennsylvania, you've got the most comprehensive set of resources. Can you talk a little bit about that and how any listeners can help or join you?
1: Yeah. So the the organization, the ministry is called Worthwhile Aware. So I'll first address the name because people always ask that. We started in India by providing employment to survivors of trafficking or at high risk through the making of worthwhile wear apparel. We still do that today so businesses, churches, organizations can can promote themselves by, you know, using a shirt that says their name, their organization whatever it is and at the same time promote freedom because the shirt all the proceeds from the sale of that shirt run the programs here in the US. So we started in India, but then understood the issue is here. And so here in the US, our comprehensive services is really a holistic type model. So first we engage with the women in the community through that worth it program that I mentioned. And that's where we connect with women um, and usually groups of about 10 to 15 and they meet within churches in our community. And then we uh, work with them for multiple weeks and that's the first step. And then they can graduate into our housing program. where We offer care for up to two years. Uh, And that program is called the well, we do a lot of foundation building and the well is an opportunity for them to address trauma and to work on, you know, a lot of times they don't have documentation, you know, birth certificate, social security card, those things, a lot of medical needs, and we do a lot of that work there for up to two years in the well program. And then finally, we also offer an employment piece because you can offer Housing, you can offer recovery from trauma, great necessary things. But if you don't offer an ongoing way to to support yourself, well, that's a disservice in a way. So we provide employment through our worthwhile thrift stores. And so um, we have the opportunity to serve women in a a very holistic approach that way. And it's also where I said we love to engage with our community. The Worth It program is a program that can be run by other organizations. So we have other organizations that run Worth It to Mm -hmm. connect with women in their community. We also have um, created worthwhile thrift to be something where it can be an owner operated worthwhile thrift, another organization or individual say, Hey, I want to, I can make an income. I can live off of this, but I can also know that the funds coming from this worthwhile thrift are supporting programs and survivors of human trafficking. So we engage the community and say, Hey, if you want to get involved, these are other ways that you can tangibly being part of this work
0: with us. That's Great. You are doing good things. May God bless you in the continuing of that. I love the growth, both in your faith and in the ministry that you're doing. I want to thank all of our listeners for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And until next time, may you live as one who has truly been saved.